The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, welcome back to our second week of our five-week course on mindfulness meditation. And um, people are still coming, so this is often a good time. If you have any questions from what I said last week, or also from if you've been meditating a little bit at home, or if you have any questions about anything, uh, this is a good time. We'll start a little bit slowly. Yes, please. Thank you so much. Um, I struggled with finding the perfect place to meditate. Um, uh, I have a son who just came back home after being away for a while, so the energy has changed, and he's in and out, and in and out, and in and out. So um, I find it difficult to find what I thought was a quiet, you know, I, I don't know, I had this vision of creating a sacred space right. or something, but that isn't happening. So right. do you have any ideas of how yeah. we can work in meditation if we don't have a specific place? Yeah. So, and it is worth giving some more thought to it. It's creatively and seeing if you can find some place that seems suitable for you. And uh, some people will, uh, I've known people who have gone down the street to the park just to be, you know, get away from it all. And, uh, and uh, I've known people who have meditated in the library, you know, public library, because it's, no one knows, no one cares if you're sitting there looking, you open the book in front of you and you sit there. <laughs> and, um, so there's um, uh, that, but uh, so uh, but the other thing uh, I'll talk more about it as we go along here. But one of the uh, very significant principles of this mindfulness meditation is that there are no distractions, and that what we're trying to do is not just to be mindful in a nice setting, but learn how to be mindful in the middle of whatever is happening in life. And so some people. Uh, they get to train in that early when they start their meditation rather than wait more advanced kind of practice. And so, you know, sometimes we just have to accept the conditions and we practice with that. When I was uh, first introduced uh, to this practice in Thailand, uh, I was a little uh, monastery just outside of Bangkok, but I had to go into a, uh, the, one of the big headquarter monasteries in Bangkok and to visit someone. And uh, they were teaching the same meditation practice that I was being taught out at the monastery in the outskirts of Bangkok, in downtown Bangkok, in this big monastery. And there was this big building, it was kind of a dormitory, the monks lived through many floors going up. And um, there was this big entryway, and uh, with a big desk and several phones, and people coming in and out all day long, going up these steps upstairs, all this noise, fo- telephones ringing, the guy on the phone barking and yelling. And then the corner of the, li- of the lobby, kind of underneath all the steps are, was a group of about 10 people meditating with all that hustle and bustle. And that was maybe the only place they could find that monastery. For some, I don't know if that's where they did it. Okay. So, um, so if you can't find anything or suitable, then uh, I encourage you to just practice with the conditions you have. And you'll probably find it very profound. It might take a while to get a hang of it, but it's very meaningful. And that's true for everyone. I think that uh, if we're always needing to create the right conditions for practicing, then you'll sooner, sooner, sooner ra- rather than later, probably, 
you'll find the conditions aren't ideal. And, uh, and if the, this practice is only useful when the conditions are ideal, it's not that, ide- not that useful. It's really useful because it's, you know, it's, you know, we use it in all circumstances. But I hope you find something. Thank you. <laughs> Someone else? Right behind you, Richard. So I've been trying to do 20 minutes meditation every day, and I find out that on a good day, it's really easy to do, but like one of the day I have some like really stressful... Can you put it a little bit closer? So I, oh, I, found, I found it a lot more easier to meditate when I'm feeling okay or good. If I'm already stressed out, I've kind of just like gotten to this state where I constantly... Um, pay attention to the bad feelings uh-huh. or like the events keep coming up uh-huh. and it's really hard to sit when you feel bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah that could, I can understand that well. So, um, uh, f- you know, f- at this point, uh, as uh, you know, what I've taught you so far was mostly breath meditation. So the best, to the best of your ability, which might not be easy in this circumstance, sir, is uh, try to ignore it and just stay with your breathing for now. And then today I'll talk about the body and as we go through these next few weeks, uh, some of the things that you're taught about how to be present for emotions and for thoughts, for thinking, might give you a little handle of how to be with those difficulties so that they still might, might feel very uncomfortable, but you'll find a way to, um, in a wise way, an effective way, to be meditating in the middle of it so it doesn't kind of overwhelm you. So just, if you could just wait for the few weeks, uh, that, that's one answer. Yeah, I heard some monks can like meditate with themselves burning or something. It's a little extreme example, but like I heard about stories where they can oh, just right, talk. My ears oh, are sorry. Uh, I heard stories from like Asia. Monks will like set themselves on fire to protest, and they just sit there and tolerate that. That superpower I want. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's quite something to learn to sit in the middle of uh, emotional distress and discover that it's one of the safest things you can do in those circumstances. Um, uh, I'd say safer than any other alternatives, but to sit and meditate with it. It gives us a kind of freedom in the middle of it, or a kind of ability to find our way and through it. It's quite a powerful thing. So in the meantime, until you learn this, you know, how to do that and how mindfulness is used for that, um, you also have the, if it's too overwhelming, you, know, you can just also not meditate. You know, and just uh, maybe, uh, you know, because uh, we don't want you to get discouraged. But if you don't feel discouraged, um, you know, it's great to just breathe with it and breathe with it. And Thank you. Okay. Yes, so one more. It's not really a question, more like an observation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I have to go back, back to, to counting. Counting. Great, that's and good. As I did, I noticed that it was getting longer and longer, the breaths. And I actually felt like I almost had a second lung or something that was <laughs> opening up. Uh-huh. Is that, does that happen? Yeah, yeah. So as people uh, get more calm in meditating, the breathing slows down. 
And as the breathing slowed down, it's often the, the holding patterns and musculatures in our body that hold the breath in sometimes relax as well. And it can be a start feeling of being very broad and wide, the breathing. And it's like this bellows kind of moving in and out. It can be a very pleasant feeling when all the muscles are relaxed, like getting a really good massage. And then as, it gets sl- as, as we get calmer and calmer, uh, the, it slows down. Uh, and, and after a while, sometimes in meditation, people have the experience uh, that uh, it seems to, from all they can tell, they've stopped breathing. And then the ancient texts say, and they're not cheating by breathing through the ears. <laughs> something, something like that. And, um, uh, and uh, partly, partly we can get so calm. And s- most of the um, a- oxygen we need, energy transfers we need, uh, are, for t- are to energize the brain, keep the brain going. And the more you think, the more you're stressed, a lot of energy goes into the brain. But as the brain gets quiet and calm and peaceful, it just doesn't need so much. And it gets everything, everything gets quiet and still. And then for some people, you know, some people it takes, you know, years before that can happen. Um, but sometimes that, you know, does happen and everything comes, you know, the breathing comes to a stop. And for some people, when that happens the first time, they get scared, which happened to me. Yeah, yeah, I was I was feeling very comfortable, very nice, very peaceful, and and then it just kind of stopped, and I was just content until I realized what had happened, and then I gasped, ah, "I'm going to die!" <laughs> <laughs> but after a while, you learn that you're not going to die. So. Okay, so um, the. Uh, the topic today is the body. But before I uh, go into talking about mindfulness of the body and for us doing some practice with it, um, uh, when I was about 20, and I was 19, I think, I had a couple of experiences that... Uh, simple experiences that kind of taught me an important lesson. One was I was uh, in college and I was in this house that a bunch of us had rented and we were living there and, and there was a little balcony and this, I was out in the balcony with a sliding door closed looking back into the living room and I, I saw my friends having an animated conversation with their hands and gestures and whatever and I couldn't hear a word they were saying. And there was something for me about seeing their gestures but not, not hearing the words that told me, wait, there's something else going on here. There's a whole dimension of our social experience that doesn't happen through words, but happens through uh, other kinds of contact, other kinds of communication, your know, face and arms and body language and all kinds of things, and how rich that is. And then about a year later, um, I and I, it was kind of wasn't planned exactly, but I had a job, and my job was to, um, uh, um, I guess you know maybe I didn't, you could call it a cow sitter. The two farmers who had this farm were were going to go on vacation for a week, and they asked me to take care of the farm, and that was my job, and I, I kind of enjoyed it quite a bit. But because of how, where the farm was, I, had, I didn't see anyone for a week. And I had never in my life been alone for a week. 
And, um, and so I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, it was kind of nice. It was kind of strange. Uh, but what happened over that week is that I d- uh, my perceptions got a little more acute. And things that I saw sparkled. And, um, and I'd look at, uh, you know, all kinds of things. I remember looking at the kitchen counter. And I'm like, wow, look at that. <laughs> like I, it was much more acute and sensitive to it all. But the thing that struck me the most was a sense of acuteness and kind of vividness of things uh, also started happening with my thinking. And I was, I was more acutely aware of my thinking than I ever had before in my life. And as I became more acutely aware of my thinking, they also kind of sparkled. They're kind of special, I thought. I wasn't that concerned about the content of them, what I was thinking about, just the fact that I was thinking. And I'm telling you these stories because it's possible uh, that w- when people meditate, one of the things that they tend to become more aware of is um, their thinking. And we tend to have sometimes a heightened awareness of our thinking, kind of because we think that we're supposed to stop thinking. <coughs> uh, because, you, you know, we're trying to stay with the breathing, maybe, and the thinking is what takes us away. And so we become more, more and more aware, more sensitive to the fact, of think, the fact that we're th- breathing in some ways, like with a mic- magnifying glass on it, in a way maybe we don't have in everyday life. Doing that gives us a, an opportunity. It gives us an opportunity to understand and look at the role of thinking has in our lives and a little bit begin seeing that there's other ways of relating, other ways of being that aren't so thinking-based. So um, uh, I'll give you an example that... Um, Many times, um, I'll give this example, that many years ago I was teaching a meditation retreat with some friends, uh, colleagues, and one of them was a big football fan, and his football team was winning a lot of games back then, so he was very excited. And I never had watched much football in my life, but, you know, I was there with my colleagues, and that's what they were doing, and so I went along to watch this. It's still a strange thing to do during a meditation retreat, but, you know, we were the teachers, so we didn't have to meditate so much. And um, and so um, we um, and so I, for some I had the remote control in my hand, and when uh, the commercial came on, I would hit the remote so that we would type silence, mute, hit the mute, and then we would talk, and then uh, the commercials would be over and the football game would go back on. Uh, but no, no, the story, I have a story is a uh, little different. I, I'm sorry, I got a little confused. My friend had the mute, the, the remote. He muted it. And then, um, and so we talked. And then the TV game started again. But he did not unmute it. So we sat there watching the game without any sound. And since he was a mindfulness teacher, I figured he noticed. And since he noticed, it was probably intentional not to turn it on. So since it, was, since it was intentional, I thought, well, this is curious. Let me just notice what this is like. Be mindful of this. So I did. And, uh, and, and then after a while, he unmuted it, and the sound came on. And I was so struck by the difference between the game without the sound and with the sound. With the sound, there was all this extra sound. There was the commentator who was talking us through the game. 
And I think the commentator gets paid a lot of money to get people into the game. He was making commentary. Oh, how exciting, this is wonderful, so-and-so is you know, doing that. Oh, you know. And I could feel myself sometimes kind of being, kind of the energy in my, my torso rising. And like sometimes, a couple of times, I felt like I wanted to get out of the chair because it was so exciting. When there was no sound, I would just sit and watch peacefully. It's kind of like the mood music in, uh, in a movie. It's a beautiful, pastoral, nice path in the woods, and it's just like so beautiful and peaceful. And then there's, they start the ominous music, and your hair stands up. You, you know what? That's gonna, you know, something's gonna happen. It, it's just a picture of a forest, right? But the music is the commentary, and the music is what you know gets us. So that's how it works in our minds. We, our minds often are making commentary. And we experience reality through the voice of the commentator. And if the commentator is scared all the time, that's kind of how we see things around. That's what the mood music is. If the commentator is excited, then, you know, things get exciting or something. And uh, so when we sit down to meditate, one of th- when we start becoming more aware that we're thinking a lot, one of the things to notice is are you involved in commentary? Are you, is your commentary about the meditation? This is great. Everyone should meditate. Or, this is terrible. How did I get myself into this? <laughs> I can't do this. What, is he, what, you know, what was the instructions? And, you know, and to making, you, know, you know, that's the wrong kind of breathing. If I was a real meditator, I'd breathe differently. And maybe I need to do something. Tai Chi until I get my breathing just right. And so it's, it's, that's all commentary, judgments, ideas, speculations that come in. Those commentaries are, are not neutral. They can have a huge impact on us, as many of you know. Self-talk is a huge impact on our emotional life, our s- feeling of self-worth, our all kinds of understandings and ideas. So as we become more aware of the commentary... And some of the commentary has nothing to do with meditation. It has to do with yesterday or tomorrow or, you know, fantasy. As we become more aware of it, then the hope is we realize we don't have to always live in the commentary. And what we're trying to do with mindfulness is to bypass the commentary. Imagine the commentary is like having dark glasses that you wear and you can't really see very well. And then you take the dark glasses off and then you say, oh, I can see everything clearly now. So what we're trying to do in mindfulness meditation is to be able to perceive our experience, like the breathing, without the filter of all this commentary. You will have commentary. Do you want to live in it? Is that where you take up residence? Is that what you give your, you hand, you, you invest authority to? Is that where you... Um, you know, give up your authority by, you know, just letting the influence of that mood music have the day and tell you what everything is. So the, uh, the art of mindfulness meditation is a kind of a paradigm shift from living in the commentary to living in what we call di- direct experience. Where we're just here, in the immediacy of here, it doesn't mean that the commentary stops. It means we're not living in it. 
It's more like we're, we're, you know, we're holding the dark glasses, you know, to the side. And there we know it's there, but we're not, you know, putting them on to see the world through them all the time. So we're going to do mindfulness of the body today. And there's some people who have a lot of commentary about their body, about what it's like, about how it works, about their relationship to it. And, um, and people can have easily a lot of commentary about meditation. You know, I'm too restless, I'm too sleepy. To make those statements, I mean, you know, too, to, to recognize you're sleepy, that's not a commentary. That's just field notes. But if you say, oh, I'm too sleepy for meditation, you've made a judgment, you made a commentary. That's extra. So the idea is to begin to recognize when you're doing this and say, no, thank you. And come back to the direct experience, to the simplicity of the experience. This will give, as you do this, and over time, as I've said already, there will be a certain kind of heightened acuteness to the fact that we're thinking. You'll learn that as you become more settled and you also become more cognizant, you see how thinking works for you, you'll, you'll, you'll get a tremendous power over yourself. The power of not having your thinkings, your thinking drive the show. Not have your thinking cast the mood music over your life. The power of being able to choose what you think or what you invest in, what, you, what directions of, uh, of you know, thinking and stuff you go into. Does that make some sense? Okay. So, um, so the body. It's a great thing. So if you just, uh, just as you are right now, just don't even, don't even move. Just, just like you are. You close your eyes. And feel your body. Just the way it is sitting here now. And if you're feeling your body, your body, does your body have any desires to shift its posture so that you're a little bit more comfortable, maybe a little bit more alert, that your body is sitting in such a way that it might be nice for your body to sit here for a few minutes in silence. Are there cues within your body for adjustments that you can make that would feel nice for you. And you're welcome to move your body any way you want into a more comfortable posture, upright posture. And that giving this kind of care to your body and letting everything kind of be, be still for a couple of minutes, what happens to you? What happens in your body? 
allowing it to be still and quiet and it may be in a more comfortable posture. Maybe if you close your eyes and feel it carefully. You're not trying to do anything except for discover what it's like for your body to be quiet and still. To start the meditation, you might take a few long, slow, deep breaths. As you breathe in, expanding your rib cage and maybe letting your shoulders lift. If you're sitting in a chair and you breathe in, you might feel the back rib cage pressing against the back of the chair. taking a few long, slow, deep breaths. And then as you exhale, relax. Let the shoulders soften. And those deeper breaths can be a way of making a stronger connection to the direct experience of being in the body. And then letting your breathing return to normal. And you might let your awareness roam around your body to see if there's any places of holding, any tension that might be relatively easy to relax. It might be possible to soften around the eyes and the forehead Some people find it helpful to drop the mouth open and then float the teeth together, especially if there's tension in the jaw. Perhaps softening the shoulders. And particularly useful is to soften the belly, letting the stomach hang down and forward. And then begin to feel your breathing, the body breathing. Perhaps the movements of your belly as you breathe. 
or in the movements of your chest. The sensations of air going in and out through your nostrils. to focus on the breathing is to become aware of how the body experiences breathing. The rhythm of alternating sensations of expansion and contraction, (coughs) lifting and falling. And if you find yourself thinking, drifting off in thought, gently say, not now, and begin again with your breathing. If you find yourself making commentaries or judgments about what's happening, you might just let yourself, let the commentary know that you see it. Oh, you're just commentary. That's what you are. You don't have to believe it or get involved with it. Perhaps the next time you exhale, you can let it drift away.
And then the last minutes of this meditation. You might now let go of focusing on your breathing. And instead, in a calm, gentle way, if you can, bring your attention to the strongest sensation in your body. Whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, doesn't matter. And kind of like there's a, you can put awareness right in the middle of it. Let yourself take time to feel, to experience that sensation of your body. Kind of like you're in the dark and someone turns on a flashlight and you can see clearly in the beam of the flashlight. The beam of awareness goes into that part of your body that has a, where the sensations are strongest. And then experiment with feeling those, getting to know them, without being, having commentary. As if they have permission to be there and all you're doing is making a room in awareness for, the, for them to be known. And if it goes away, that strong sensation, go find another strong sensation in your body, the next strongest. And just being, bring, a, bring a soft attention to it, as if it's okay for it to be there. And just get to know it in awareness. Almost as if by being aware, you're giving it the gift the permission to be as it is, whether it's uncomfortable or whether it's comfortable. And if it's helpful, you can breathe with the sensation. Imagine your breathing goes in and out through it.
And now, returning your attention to your breathing for a few minutes. Breathing in and breathing out. And then to end the meditation, take a couple of deep breaths and feel your body. Feel your, your body against the cushion, the floor, the chair. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. One of the wonderful surprises for me in the years of Buddhist monastic life that I lived, practicing in Buddhist monasteries in this country, in Japan, and Thailand, and Burma, is how important or how valuable the important role the body has for Buddhist practice or for mindfulness practice. It's a little unfortunate that we translated this ancient Buddhist word, sati is the word, S-A-T-I, into the English word mindfulness, because it prioritizes the mind. And if you do this practice a lot, you'd start discovering that at least as important as the mind, maybe more so, is the body. And sometimes I think it should have been translated bodyfulness because there's awareness, there's a sense, ability to sense and to experience, to feel things that resides in the body. Many people who are used to thinking a lot will interpret that what mindfulness means is uh, thoughtfulness. And they have to think about what they're, you know, okay, I'm supposed to think about the breathing, breathing now. But rather, and, and often they're trying to direct their attention from the control tower in the head where they think. But uh, one of the wonderful things about mindfulness or bodyfulness is when the awareness begins relaxing and we're settling into the direct moment of experience. And the, the, body, the body has, I don't know, millions, billions, I don't know, a nerve ends to feel and sense and experience. And uh, to sense to sense what's happening, to sense the breathing from the torso, from the lungs itself, is a very different experience than being up in the control tower trying to watch it or control it or do something with it. So this idea of uh, discovering how to be bodyful as we practice as much as to be mindful as we practice is one of the kind of tasks we'll hopefully try to convey better as we go along here how to do that.
But for now, I'd like to hear maybe from two or three of you um, some different experiences, what, what it was like to do that little meditation. Anything that, um, what was it like to, any part of it? When I first started to meditate, there were certain areas of my body that that, um, that are uncomfortable and the intensity was really high. And I, it did start to go down, but I wasn't able to you know, make it go away. Uh-huh. It was still pretty, like I noticed it most of the time. And uh, before you started paying attention, to, uh, do, doing the meditation, was your body already uncomfortable? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so you already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, were you better off kind of continuing to kind of ignore it and that's halfway? Or was it useful for you to stop and really kind of take it in? That's what was going on. I think it, it is useful for me to take note of it because I tried to like breathe into the area uh-huh. where it was uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And at certain times I can get it to kind of get less. Uh-huh. Great. Wonderful. It can be very powerful to uh, learn how to do this mindfulness practice with strong physical discomfort. It takes a while to learn it, but it's a wonderful art. Someone else? Um, yeah, I, I came for the first time for some classes back in um, July. Um, took three or four classes and couldn't come back for a while. And... Um, I'm using it basically as a tool not to go crazy um, because in the last three months I've had to deal with a legal situation where I would have lost my house. Uh, My mother had a stroke and died within four days. And now I'm the caregiver to my 89-year-old dad who's got cancer. And um, so... I can say this, for a person that's kind of a skeptic, you know, to begin with, um, I just kept at it, like every day, like pretty much every day, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, and not even worrying about, like somebody mentioned the space and everything. At first, I was kind of thinking along those lines, and then it's like, wait a minute, I'm at the kitchen table and nobody's bothering me and I can focus on my breathing for 20 minutes and just kind of fitting it in everywhere I could. And then what I found was all of a sudden when things just get really crazy, I actually do see myself observing what is happening, you know, and that is just like a 180 from the way I was like four months ago reacting to stuff. So, so through your twenty minutes of meditation, you probably learned one of one of two things or both things. You learned to be calmer. So, when you went into these difficult situations, you were calmer and you could observe. But you also maybe learned the power of observation, and that was close at hand and ready to be used in a way you didn't know you could before. Exactly. Um, I wouldn't say it's like going from zero to 100 like that, but it's a huge step in the right direction. Like instead of reacting to 10 out of 10 things, you're reacting to maybe 
two or three out of ten things and you know working on the and then later on reflecting and say like oh wow i I could have done better in that situation. You only so. had two things, two messes to clean up instead of ten. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Great. Thank you very much for that. Maybe one more comment about the meditation that we just did. Right there, Gil. Oh yes, please. Um, so I just noticed um, from the from this exercise, uh, I was counting my breath, and it started at a faster rhythm, a faster beat. And then about 50 breaths in, all of a sudden, without my control, my body slowed down, and I started to feel like at ease. So I never felt that before, so it's kind of cool. Great. Fantastic. So at some point during the meditation, I asked you to switch from the breathing to focus on the strongest sensation in your body. Did anything interesting happen to any of you when that, that happened? So you can right up here in front. It's coming behind you. Yeah, going to the sensation, it actually got worse, and I got really, like, agitated, like I wanted to jump out of my body and continue to stay with it, and then after it wasn't even a minute, it went away. And that surprised you? Yeah, because it felt like it was going to be stuck there forever, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's commentary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And some commentary is self-fulfilling, you know. So you have to be careful. This co- not saying you, but the, but some commentary is self-fulfilling. You have that commentary, and it will be true. <laughs> so, so anybody else was surprised by what happened when I asked you to bring your attention to the sensations, strongest, strongest sensations? Well, <clears throat> I'm a pretty lucky guy. At my age, I, I feel pretty happy with my body. It feels pretty good. And when you ask uh, us to look at a different part of our body other than the breathing, I was so surprised that I could I could feel my feet against the carpet. And I don't think it's an, an unusual carpet or anything, but I could just feel a, sort of like a tingling. I could I could sense that. And I, I wouldn't have believed I, I could do something like Fantastic. that. Fantastic. So the height and sensitivity. Yeah. Very nice. And then one more, one more here I saw. Is it... Um, I felt particularly uh, distracted uh, in this in the sitting, and and I kind of felt like I I was sort of halfway between my mind and my body, and I had a sort of muted. I was more grounded, but it was just very cloudy and sort of murky. And then I felt that focusing on the one part actually just helped me to fully kind of come down, and I just felt a bit more like grounded. Great in my body with Fantastic. the one, yeah. Very nice. And uh, this this little teaching I did before the meditation about commentary. Was that useful for any of you? Did any of you ha- happen to have commentary? <laughs> and and it being forewarned a little bit about it, and did that give you a little bit more space or a little bit more wisdom to go through it? Yeah? Some of you, yes. Okay, the rest of you had no commentary. <laughs> yeah, please, a question there. What do you do when you when you feel like you just want to fall asleep all the time. Ah. I have a hard time. Yeah, yeah. I felt especially, myself jerking a lot. Yeah, yeah, especially this time of day. It's, it's quite common. So uh, one thing you can do is to open your eyes when you meditate. And that can be enough to keep you awake. And generally the suggestion is to have your eyes pointing down 45 degrees, but just have them open. And that can be enough sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's helpful to sit up straighter. Uh, people in the chair, if they lean a lot, if they're really relying on the backrest like heavily, 
uh, it's much more soporific, much more, more likely to fall asleep. But if you sit away from the backrest and sit upright, that can be helpful. Um, the, uh, the other thing that some people will do, uh, I see this mostly on, we have these long, week-long meditation retreats. Uh, people will do meditation standing and uh, when they're really sleepy. And there's that, just that, or just the fear of how far you're going to fall <laughs> is enough to keep, keep you alert. So those are a few things. And, um, and what, we do, what we do suggest with the sleepiness is, um, and with almost anything that happens in meditation, is don't make it a problem. Uh, there's no need to look upon what happens in meditation as anything is problematic. It's just one more thing to be mindful of. And it's possible to be mindful of, of, of sleepiness. Uh, I've, I've been sleepy in meditation and found it fascinating to kind of explore the ins and outs of the, the heaviness around the eyelids and mm-hmm. the temperature in the cheeks and the swamp of the mind. And, you know, and I, I, you know I, like I was getting a PhD in sleepiness. What is it really like? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a, you know so that you're doing mindfulness if you bring that kind of attention to it. So that's another option. Great. Okay. So, um, um, the simplest way of giving this instructions that we do here, which is so simple it's probably not helpful, but that is, notice what's happening the pre- notice what's happening in the present moment. It's, that's kind of the basic idea. But, you know, to give you a little bit more guidance of what that means... It's really good, someone talked about being grounded, you know, uh, being a sensation of being grounded. Being grounded here, being settled here. Because the mind can be, have the centrifugal force out, we can spin out, we can get, almost be anywhere but here. But to really be here, so there's a higher quality sense of presence or attention. And so we're really here for our experience. We're not just kind of here, we really feel like we're here. And the gentleman who said he could feel the soles of his feet against the carpet, he was really here in a way that allowed him to feel more, it's much more sensitive way perhaps than he usually does. So to really be here for our experience, and then notice what it is. <laughs> but because the mind drifts off so much, uh, it's an ancient tradition in Buddhism to give a lot of emphasis on mindfulness of breathing. And some people, that's the only thing they do for meditation is they focus mindfulness of breathing. I've done that as my primary meditation practice for years and years to great benefit. Before I learned this mindfulness practice, that's what I did. Only that. And so you can go for a long time with that and benefit a lot. Not make it any more complicated than that. But the idea is to learn how to bring mindfulness to whatever is happening. And the way that we do it as a practice is we say we bring our attention to whatever is most uh, prominent at any given time. The loudest experience or the most compelling experience of the moment. So, for right now, we want to focus on the breathing and meditation. If your physical experiences of your body become more predominant than your breathing, more compelling than the breathing, then the instructions are to let go of the breathing and bring that meditative attention to whatever that strong sensation is in your body. For people who are new, it's often uh, uncomfortable sensations. Uh, People who get used to the meditation often have very comfortable, very pleasant sensations begin welling up in the body. 
that can be the most compelling sensation. Um, but whatever it is, it, for the purposes of the meditation, it doesn't matter if it's pleasant or unpleasant. It's just, if it's compelling, that's where we put the attention. Now the advantage of this is that if, you're, if the uh, instructions are only stayed with the breathing, and then there's a strong discomfort someplace else in the body, there's going to be a tension or a pull, pull to pay attention to that. You know, you'll be kind of like struggling with it. Oh, my knee hurts so much, but I'm supposed to be with a breath, but the knee's burning, I need bad breath. Um, so th- that kind of tension is not necessary. So what we do is we just let go of paying attention to the breathing, and we bring that, uh, we bring attention to the knee, if that's where it's uncomfortable, or that's where the strong sensation is. And then we learn how to have this meditative awareness of it. And when meditative awareness of it means that it's, um, we're not seeing it through the commentary. We put the commentary a little bit to the side. If it continues, we kind of put it to the side. Uh, we try not to do it with any judgment. We try not to uh, before and against experience, but just kind of let it be there for a few minutes, a few moments, just to feel it, get to know it. It's remarkable what happens when we get to know our body deeper and deeper, what's really happening. It allows kind of the whole psychophysiology to work in a healing, beneficial way. That it doesn't work if we are not really present, if we don't make space to experience it. And we, make, we, don't, we don't experience it well if we are upset with it, if we're angry at it, if we're afraid of it, if we're uh, spinning stories about it, and on and on and on. You know, we, can, we wander off. It's quite amazing where we can go with the commentary. Uh, I could be sitting here. I've had this happen when I was in, uh, you know, I, I, I have an itch. It's a little embarrassing to say this, but happened, I'll, say, I'll, put, I'll defend myself as it happened many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> when I was young. And <laughs> um, I was sitting, minding my own business in meditation, and I had an itch in some part of my body. I didn't think about it, but the itch got stronger. I started thinking about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think this, is, this might be cancer. <laughs> I bet it's skin cancer. And, but I can't afford to go see a doctor. And, you know, my pro, you know, I can't do all, anything. I, I couldn't keep that job. It was, you know, I had a job for a while and it's finding a job that pays enough is hard. And I think this has to do with my parents. They didn't really teach me how to be in this world properly. And I, they really blew it for me. And, you know, and I can't afford things. And so, you know, really what I should do is, you know, I have to do, figure out something to do. And I've heard that meditation helps. I think I'll go learn meditation. And then it dawns on me. You are meditating. (laughs) Or you are trying to. The the way this commentary works spins us out so quickly and so far. So, and that takes us away from allowing the body to experience itself. When the body experiences itself, different things can happen. A very simple example is that this commentary and these stories and fears that we build up can bring the shoulders up and we're kind of tense in the shoulders, for example. And if you keep thinking those thoughts, you won't even know your shoulders are tense. But then you come to a meditation class and they say, close your eyes and feel your body. 
And you say, boy, they're really high, these shoulders. And then you're told, don't relax them, just feel them, just feel them. As you feel them and make space for them, you feel that the direction the shoulders want to go is they want to release, they want to relax. And they kind of, you don't even want to, you don't have to will it, you don't have to try to make it, but you make space for it, you feel it, and it begins to relax. That's, uh, you know, that's one, one particular example, but um, it's the principle that something else can happen when we bring careful attention to it. That's not something that we can will, engineer, or prefer. And so it's a, it's a very powerful thing to do. So we start with the breathing, and then if, if some sensation in your body is more compelling, then we bring our attention to that part of the body and we hang out there with it as long as it's compelling. If it goes away, we can come back to the breathing. If it goes away and something else becomes, something else is now compelling, then we bring our attention to that very contentedly and just bring awareness to that. And as we're there, uh, trying to stay grounded and be present for it, it can be helpful to make a small mental note, a one-word thought, that helps you to stay present rather than spinning out. And that could be, uh, usually it's a label of what you're experiencing. So for example, if there's uh, pulling in the knee, I might say pulling, pulling. If there's heat, heat, heat. If there's, you know, a real strong sense of hardness, I might say hardness. If there's ache, ache, whatever it might be. I keep using, you know, difficult examples. I should say, if it's warm and fuzzy and cozy, I would say pleasant, pleasant. And the, the label isn't that important. The function of the label is a gentle reminder, stay right there, feel it, be with it, experience it. Experience it um, directly instead of through the stories, the commentary, the ideas we have. Just be with it a little bit. And then, um, and then at some point when it's no longer compelling or it's gone away, you come back to your breathing. What we're starting to do here is starting to learn how to bring an effective mindfulness attention to different parts of our lives. And we're going to build on this. And the goal is to have this kind of wise attention to all areas of our human life. They're not just the breathing, not just the body, not just the emotions, not just thinking, but also the world, our social world, our work world, everywhere. And to bring kind of this, as you talked about, this uh, 180 degree different kind of attention is a wonderful thing to do. And the quality of life improves dramatically when we get out of the commentary and can be present in a much more open, direct way of whatever is salient, whatever is the big thing that's happening right now. It helps people avoid being conflict avoidant. It helps people from escaping, from numbing themselves out, because we learn that's really valuable. It's enlivening, it's meaningful, it's freeing, it's uh, truth-telling, it's all kinds of things happens when we learn how to bring this meditative attention, mindful attention to what's actually happening. Some people get frightened because sometimes it's frightening actually to finally wake up and see what's going on. And, um, but you know, that's part of the path, is to work through that. 
I hope that makes some sense. So to give you a little bit more sense of what these instructions are and how to work with mindfulness of the body, I would like to do a little um, exercise, meditation exercise with you. So if you would kind of, for a few minutes, go back into a meditation posture. And softly close your eyes. And we'll take about a minute or so just to get yourself grounded, settled. Hang out with the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. And now, bring your attention into your right hand and begin feeling whatever sensations are there in your right hand. In the palm of the hand, the back of the hand, the fingers, and you might feel pulsing, vibration, warmth, coolness, You might feel some place where there's physical contact, hand against the hand or your hand against your legs. Softness and hardness. Tingling, aching. heaviness and lightness. See if you can notice or feel 
that right hand in a kind of global way, almost like you're making space in the hand for the hand. Awareness makes space for all the sensations as they come and go in the hand. Putting aside any commentary. And rather than being up in the control tower watching all this, let the observation or the sensing be in the hand itself. As if there's lots of room for the sensations of your right hand. And then calmly, in a relaxed, easy way, move your awareness to your left hand and feel the sensations of your left hand. Noticing the different kinds of sensations that are there. And notice how they simply arise, they appear without any willing on your part, without engineering them. They just appear and show themselves. steadily to the strongest sensation in your body. But bring it to the the area where the strong sensations are. So it's a little bit broader than the sensations themselves. In the same way that you felt your hand, feel that area where those strong sensations exist. And see if you can feel that those sensations with the same maybe neutrality you had for your hands. The strong sensations have permission to be there. And feeling that part of the body, the area where those sensations are. Feel the various sensations there, that, that part that come and go, not just the strong ones.
And now bring your attention to that part of your body where you experience breathing. And not exactly focusing on the breathing, but focusing on that part of the area of the body where you experience breathing, like you felt that hand. And let whatever sensations in that part of your body appear, let them appear in awareness. Let them, let them be known. Get to, get to know them. And many of them will have to do with the breathing. And then you can take a couple of deep breaths. And you can open your eyes. So I know that people's experience of meditation are widely varied. And so in all ways, all the variations are permissible and allowed or, you know, each person has their own kind of way to find their way through this practice. But having said that, what I was hoping that uh, to convey to enough of you, some of you, is the idea that the hand for many people maybe is neutral enough that you can kind of get a sense of what it's like to bring attention into it without being for and against it, without having preference for which sensations you have or without making a big story about, wow, that was the perfect tingling and, you know, I need to go home and write journal about this now so I can preserve that memory forever. That tingling was the best. You know, it's it just, you know, it just tingling, you know, just, then it's very simple, very relaxed, kind of neutral, equanimous, just experiencing it. But also maybe the hand is wide enough to have a feeling a little bit like there's space for the sensations. You're kind of there resting in them, opening to them, something. And my hope is if you, f- if you feel it kind of, as, kind of in something as relatively neutral like the hand, then you get a hang of what it's like to do the same thing 
for something that might be difficult, uncomfortable, painful. It's not easy to do, but that kind of gives you kind of the sense of where we're going with this, experimenting. Okay, how can I bring this kind of attention to what's uncomfortable and and, uh, painful and hold that in the same open, neutral way? Okay, I just get to know it and feel it and be with it. I also hope to get to uh, convey with us the idea that um, that isn't so much that we're trying to like have a laser in the uh, in the mind that zeroes in on experience, like the breathing, but it's more like we're resting in the area where we experience the breathing, that part of the body, and letting the sensations of the breathing come to us more than us going to them. So if you feel the, the breathing in your chest. It's almost like you're letting those sensations show themselves to you. You just sit back and wait and they come. As opposed to you kind of being like the cat at the mouse door, kind of like, you know, what, you know, what's the right one and where am I supposed to be? But kind of relaxed about it, just let it come. And slowly uh, what will happen, or what we hope will happen, is that um, the, a fractured body will become holding it. Many people live in, in, in fractured bodies. They live in bodies where they're disconnected to parts of themselves. Uh, I think it's modern life that many people live. Um, you know, so much of it goes on from the neck above. Or sometimes it's the neck up, from the neck up and uh, from the wrist out. You know, especially, you know, the thumb, you know, if you're using your phone. You know, the thumb and the head. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so uh, people are not so connected to their bodies. Uh, it's wonderful to visit some indigenous people who are living kind of much closer to nature and see how radiant, you know, how alive and sh- sparkly their bodies are because they're living in their bodies. They're kind of inhabiting their bodies in a way that many people don't inhabit their bodies anymore in modern culture. And so in not inhabiting our bodies, we become disconnected from our bodies. And it's not just being disconnected from the, the, you know, this lump of stuff that we unfortunately have to carry around with us. Um, uh, our, so much of our emotional life, our intuitive life, our, the way that we sense and experience others in the world around us happens through the uh, vehicle, the medium of our physical body. And if we're cut off from the body, we're cut off from so much of the range of what it means to like to be a human being. So this simple exercise of you know, learning to st- you know, you know, stay with your breathing, and then if other sensations begin becoming compelling, you bring your attention to them, is a way of slowly over time, you're gonna find yourself bringing your attention to many different parts of your body, and those parts of body are gonna start waking up. And they're gonna start kind of filling in and healing, and the fracture is gonna start to end. Some schools of vipassana, this insight meditation, put so much emphasis on this importance of waking up the body that they'll do this, what I did to you, as a primary practice and they'll system it, they'll start at the top of their head and they have a technique where they just systematically, top of the head, forehead, eyes, nose, mouth, neck, top of chest, middle of chest, you know, they, and they, what they call it, a body scan, and they just scan slowly through the body to feel all those parts systematically and they'll just cycle through and do it over and over and over again. So they start kind of waking up all the places where there are asleep in the body and the whole body begins to vibrate and come alive with sensations. In our particular tradition, we don't do it systematically like that, 
because it's a little bit too much, we have this idea, it's a little bit too much trying to control things too much and being in the control tower doing it. But we're, we're, we let reality show us where, where the attention should be. And so sooner or later, some part of your body will say, hey, you, pay attention over here because it's strong. And then that's the, that's the cue that that's the part of the body that needs our attention. And over, as I said, over time, different parts of the body will speak up and slowly, you, you, you know, more and more of the body will become more awake, more present, and more whole. It's a wonderful process. And, uh, and then, as we get begin that process, and our more bodyfulness, and we have a reference to the body, we know how to, we discovered how to be with the body uh, sensations in a neutral way, an equanimous way, without getting reactive and a lot of commentary. We learn how to breathe with the body. Um, that becomes a foundation for knowing how to be with emotions. Some people, you know, there can be a lot of difficult emotions that arise. People get overwhelmed, overwhelmed with their emotions. Um, but it's a, lot e- e- it's a lot easier to not be overwhelmed if you're able to stay grounded in your body and you feel the emotions as sensations in your body. And that's going to be the topic for next week. But I just, it's a, I'm just saying this now as a plug, how valuable it is to kind of wake up the body. So if you want to prepare for next time, um, spend this week being curious about what's going on in your body, the sensations. Spend time, you know, if you have, if you have an idle moment, don't go check for an email on your phone. Go check your body. Close your eyes and just check out what's going on in here. This body of ours is still smarter than your smartphone for a few more years. <laughs> it's so, uh, but, you know, check it out. Be connected to it. Learn how to connect to it. It's fascinating what goes on. So just kind of make it a kind of a study and, you know, explore it. So do you have any comments about that little meditation you'd like to make? Questions or a little report of what it was like, what happened to you? Or any questions about the instructions I've given so far about this? I I was just wondering that um, you're saying to focus on where your body's telling you to focus, but um, some aspects I feel like sitting... I don't know, something starts hurting just from sitting in the same position too long. And I look at everyone on the floor, and I'm like, I don't know how people sit on the floor that long. Like, my back would start hurting. And um, and then focusing on it, for me, didn't really make it better. So I, I'm a little confused, I guess, on... It doesn't have to make it, it, have to make it better. It doesn't, have to. it doesn't have to make it better. And I probably talked today a little bit too much, like... Uh, this was a, bringing attention is a solution for everything. Everything's going to get better if you pay attention to it. There are three things that can happen to uh, un- any sensation that you're aware of, comfortable ones, uncomfortable ones. There's only three things that can happen to it. Um, it can get stronger, it can get weaker and go away, or it can stay the same. And the task in mindfulness is not to prefer one over the other, believe it or not but rather just bring attention to it and be mindful of it as it actually is. Almost as if what you're trying to do, you're trying, you're trying to do two things, two, many things, but two important things. One is to try to understand what it is on its own terms. And the other is learning how to be with something without being reactive. 
And from here, you're very welcome to change your posture and make yourself comfortable if it's getting discouraging. Absolutely, you, can, you don't have to sit with the discomfort if you don't like it. But there will be a time in your life where you can't adjust, where there'll be some strong discomfort, physical, emotional, psychological, something, that, um, it, uh, that because you've learned how to sit with something that's strong and learn how not to be reactive, learn how to be peaceful with it being there, uh, there will come a time when you, you can't change what's going on and then you'll know how to be with it in a wise way. So it's, it's kind of a training here. And some people uh, actually find that, that they get trained better if the strong sensations don't go away. But we have, many of us have a strong preference for it. We have this commentary, this idea, it's only successful, I'm only doing it right if it goes away, if it gets better. And uh, that little bit of a hindrance to have that idea. Is that, is that an okay response? Yeah. Does it seem relevant? Okay. Anyone else? Any questions about any of this? Uh, in the back. Good evening, my name is Ek. Just uh, a question was in my mind for the last something you said the, our body is still smarter than smartphones for a couple of more years or something okay i can have trouble hearing could you say maybe again could, okay no maybe 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 tanya could you hear about yeah. That? yeah he he brought up the comment you made about um that our bodies are smarter than our smartphones, smartphones yeah. at least for a couple more years <laughs> Well, because the smartphones are getting smarter. <laughs> that's, that's what I had in mind. Do you want to... Unless you, you know, yeah. Unless, yeah that's, it's just a joke, but uh, it'll probably be at least 10 years. <laughs> but what I think that our bodies will be smarter forever. No smartphone can beat it. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I sure hope so, but you know. So... Um, So it was just an, it was a way of a silly way to encourage you to really you have a special this body is really special there's a tremendous wisdom tremendous resource that's being not being tapped into um, and so this uh, learn to pay attention to it as part of this process so this uh, handout today the yellow sheet uh, will give some of these instructions um, that uh, in a little different way and there's some other ideas including some uh, exercises you might want to do at home or in different parts of the day, um, that really uh, emphasize this idea of mindfulness of the body, bringing attention to the body. And um, so there's two things for this next week. As I've said, uh, try to develop more mindfulness of the body, try to focus on your body, get to know your body. I met many years ago, I, I saw a title of a magazine article, and the uh, uh, title was um, The Body, Friend, foe or total stranger and for some people have a very adversarial relationship to their body some people it's their friend and some people have no idea and um, and the direction actually this practice is going is to end up becoming much more a friend of your body you become its friend it becomes your friend and uh, and uh, that's the direction we're going but the idea of not not being adversarial relationship to our body adversarial relationship with the difficulties of the body, the pains of the body, the, the joys of the body is really the direction we're going. 
And um, so love your body, care for it, and, uh, and it'll care for you in many ways, more ways than you probably allow it to do so. And um, then next month, next week, um, you can bring your emotions. <laughs> in your body. In your body, yes. <laughs> bring them in your body. And so, so as of last week, um, so Tanya here, who's managing today, she's taught this course, so she can answer questions if you have. I'm available to answer a question. Richard teaches the beginning um, intro meditation class here. We're so lucky to have the experienced people here. If you want to ask them questions. And are you available, John? John's been practicing for a long time, and he's been trained to teach uh, mindfulness. And so he's actually here as an observer, uh, snuck in. <laughs> and uh, so he, if you want to ask him some questions, he has lots of years of experience, too, about any of this. And, and, uh, and again, I'm available. And thank you all for coming. <laughs>